Colossians 2 and verse number 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Heavenly Father, I pray these next few moments you'd fill us with the Holy Ghost. I pray you'd touch us. Lord, I pray that you would preach through us and preach to us this morning. And most of all, I pray that you'd get the glory and honor. Lord, I ask you to hide us behind the shadows of the cross. And may we not see flesh this morning, but I pray you'd be exalted. I pray you'd be pleased with our worship. And may we see no man save Jesus only. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. When you come to these verses of Scripture this morning, I'll point out four quick things and then move on. There's the condition of sinners in verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That is the condition of every sinner before they get saved. And then in verse number 13, there's also the change in salvation. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. That's what happens when someone gets saved. They're quickened, they're made alive with the Lord Jesus Christ and they're forgiven of all past, present, and future uh, trespasses. And then uh, there is the cross of our Savior as he said here, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it, notice this, to his cross. I'm glad that my cross and your cross, our cross uh, became his cross. Amen. Uh, He did not have a place to lay his head. Uh, He did not have any uh, thing in this world that he owned, uh, but he made the cross his very own. And then there is the conquering of Satan in verse number 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now when we come to this passage of scripture here, in verse number 12, uh, uh, the author here, the apostle Paul, uh, tells us in verse number 12 uh, that there is a divine operation that whenever we get saved, uh, the Bible said in verse number 10, that we are complete in him. And verse 12 says we're buried with him in baptism and we're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. There is a divine operation. Salvation is not of ourself as we heard this morning but it is of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he lived, because he died and because he rose again you and I can be saved. Amen. That is a divine operation. Man cannot not a, a work for that. Man could not manufacture that. It is a work of God uh, and salvation is a work uh, of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As it's already been said or I heard it said somewhere recently you've got to be under conviction to be saved. Isn't that right? And so there is a divine operation. But then there's a divine opportunity in our text. Uh, in verses 13 through 15 uh, we see this divine opportunity. You say preacher what is that divine opportunity? 
opportunity. That divine opportunity in verse number 13 is that saints uh, have been forgiven. Amen. Uh, thank God we've been forgiven of all of our trespasses. Uh, uh, that divine opportunity is that saints have been pardoned. In verse 14, that the handwriting of ordinances that was against us uh, has been nailed to the cross. Uh, you know why you've been forgiven? Because you've been pardoned. Amen. Uh, I like that old song that says, Jesus signed my pardon. Uh, this I truly know. Amen. And when we come to this text this morning, uh, uh, not only has saints been forgiven and saints been pardoned, uh, but the message in the text uh, is that every sinner can be forgiven and that every sinner can be pardoned. Amen. And uh, we find it in verse number 14, uh, uh, nailing it to his cross. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on Calvary, the place of pardon. Amen. Calvary, the place of pardon. That's what verse 13, 14, and 15 is really all about. It's about the fact that you and I have been pardoned because of the cross of Calvary. I'm glad I've been to Calvary. I'm glad I've been saved by the grace of God. I'm glad I can raise my hand this morning and say that I know that I've been pardoned, that Jesus signed my pardon. Hallelujah. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never been pardoned, you can be. Because you've been given a pardon, all you gotta do is accept it and receive it. And this pardon, what I want you to see this morning in these verses is that this pardon answers the question, or rather it answers three major questions concerning this matter of salvation. Calvary, the place of pardon, answers the ultimate questions in life. You say, what are they? Well, I want you to see in verse number 13 that Calvary, the place of pardon, it answers number one, the question about self this morning about self. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, look at ourself in verse number 13. You can see yourself in verse 13. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost, I want you to know you're in verse number 13. The Bible says in verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You see, if you're here this morning and you're lost, that's you. If you've never been saved and you've never been to Calvary, you're in that first little two phrases there. You're dead in your trespasses and sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Uh, uh, that is you. If you're saved this morning, the Bible said, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Uh, so this morning, the ultimate question about self uh, is, are you in the first part of this verse uh, or are you in the last part of this verse? Uh, where are you living in verse number 13? The question about self. You see, we were dead uh, in trespasses passes and sin. Our spirit was dead. Uh, listen, our mind was darkened. Uh, our body was decaying. Uh, that's where we were. Uh, my friend, before we met Jesus Christ, uh, we were unjustified, uh, uncircumcised. Uh, we were just Gentile dogs and that's what we still are. Even though we might we may be saved this morning, uh, we're still Gentile dogs uh, that's saved by the grace of God. Uh, but Paul is making the argument. Paul is laying out the foundation foundation here of what we used to be before we met the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this morning, even if you're saved, you ought to be reminded of self. 
I need to be reminded of self this morning. I need to be reminded. You see, as a Gentile, we had no covenant relationship with God. Our pedigree went all the way back to the fall of Adam. Amen. We didn't have no covenant that God made with a Jew. There was nothing for us to lean on. If you look back in your life and you look back in your history and look back in your heritage, you say, how far back does it go? It goes back to the garden in Genesis chapter three when Adam, our forefather, when he fell, there is no covenant covenant for us Gentiles in the Old Testament. There is no covenant there that God, that Abrahamic covenant, it did not apply to us. That means we had nothing. That means we were without hope. That means we were destitute. That's who we were. I think it's good to think about ourselves in that light this morning. We ought to be reminded of who we used to be. Amen. Because Calvary changed all of this. Do you realize that this morning? He said in verse number 13, the uncircumcision of your flesh. You see what the knife did to the flesh by the way of circumcision. The cross did to the heart of man by way of crucifixion. Amen. You see, that knife was the cutting away of that flesh. It was rolling away that reproach that was upon man. And that Jew had that. It was a cleansing process. It was a separating process. It changed them from all others. Is that not what the cross did for us? The only thing, it wasn't the knife and the cutting away of the flesh. But my friend, it was the cross and the cutting away of the heart. It wasn't the uncircumcision nor the circumcision but it was the crucifixion of our Savior as he died on the cross and what my friend when you think about it that circumcision it sealed that Abrahamic covenant but the cross it sealed the new covenant amen no I'm not a part of that Abrahamic covenant this morning but I am a part of that new covenant amen I'm not a part of the covenant that God made with Abraham but I am a part of that covenant that God and Christ made with the whole world and I've been to Calvary and the pardon of Calvary is this. Thank God the cutting away of my heart through the crucifixion of our Savior. There is a new covenant. There is a better way. And self, the question of self has been answered. When I stand before him one day, I will say nothing in my hand I bring but simply to the cross I cling. Thank God the cross, it delivered me and it delivered you from ourselves this morning, amen. You realize this morning the worst enemy that you and I have is not Satan. It's not the world. It's ourself. All God had to do to let us go to hell was leave us to ourself. I'm telling you before any sinner gets saved, they've got to see themselves for who they really are. You can lean on a lot of things that make you feel good. And listen, you can beat yourself up about a lot of things that make you feel bad. But the truth of the matter is, nobody goes to hell for how good, or goes to heaven for how good they've lived, Brother Mike. And nobody goes to hell for how wicked they've lived. I'm telling you, listen, you can be good all day and still bust hell wide open. And listen, your sin is not, now listen, it's not the drinking and the smoking and the cussing that sends a man to hell. 
It's not what he does, it's who he is. Man is a sinner. It doesn't matter if he's a good sinner or a bad sinner. It doesn't matter if he's a religious sinner or an unreligious sinner. Man is a sinner. That's who self is. And when you see yourself as a sinner, you can be saved. Hallelujah. That's why I'm careful not to do a one, two, three, repeat after me. Because people have to see themselves for who they are before they'll ever see the Savior for who he is. Why do I need a Savior if I don't see how destitute myself really is? Oh, it's like the prodigal son. When I came to myself that morning, and fell under old time conviction and realized I was lost and realized that I was a sinner, realized that I deserved to go to hell, realized I couldn't do anything to save myself from hell. It was then I became a candidate for salvation. You know why? Because the blinders fell off. You say, but I've been raised in church all my life. Yeah, but you're still a sorry, low down self, deserving sinner that needs the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the salvation of God. I tell you to keep it from thinking too highly of ourselves, If we just remind ourselves, God didn't dig us out of the diamonds of this world. He didn't find us in the rubies of this world. He didn't mine us out of the silver and the gold mines of this world. Oh no, friend. He picked us up out of the dung hills of this old wicked world. We is as low down and sorry and as wicked as wicked could get. And he went down in the muck of that mess and the mire of that mess. There wasn't nothing good in me Safe, but he did it anyhow. The cross did it anyway. Thank God for his love. There is no explanation as to why God would love us. I'm glad the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Hallelujah. Calvary, the place apart, and answers the question about self, and then it answers the question about sin. Notice he said in verse 13 having forgiven you all trespasses. We were dead in sins, but we've been forgiven of all trespasses. Notice the next verse. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Yeah, man. And nailing it to the cross. I'm gonna tell you, that's shouting ground this morning. When you think about the sacrifices and the offerings of the Old Testament, they did not, uh, listen, they did not cancel sin. They just covered that sin. They just kindly put it under the rug, so to speak but it would just resurface again. It's like a cancer that would never go away, that would continually come back year after year after year. When you think about the ordinances in the book of Leviticus chapter 16, all that was involved, those ordinances uh, that had to be carried out uh, just to cover man's sin, uh, then we realize uh, how great uh, uh, God's Calvary and how great the cross uh, really is in our life. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, you think about the ordinances in the Old Testament for personal sin. Luke, Leviticus chapter 16, the first 14 verses. I wrote these things down this morning. The high priest selected a young bullock for a sin offering. He then also took a ram for a burnt offering. Thirdly, he washed himself. Fourthly, he put on his holy linen garments. Fifth, you can read it all in Leviticus. He took two kids of the goats for a sin offering for the congregation. 
Six, he took a ram for a burnt offering for the congregation. Seventh, he presented the goats. Eighth, he cast lots for the goats. Ninth, he sacrificed his bullock as a sin offering for his own personal sin. Ten, the tenth ordinance, he took a censer of burning burning coals. Eleventh, he filled his hands with incense and brought it inside the veil. He then took a censer and filled it with live coals off the golden altar. He put the incense on on the fire so that the cloud of incense might cover the mercy seat so they would not be killed. Then number 14, he brought the blood of his bullock and sprinkled it before on the mercy seat. All of this uh, was ordinances had to be done declaring or dealing with uh, his personal sin. Then there was the public sin in verses 15 down through verse number 26. He would kill the goat for the people. He went in alone with the blood into the holy of holies. Then he came out and sprinkled the blood on the golden altar in the holy place. He then took the live goat and laid his hand upon it. He would confess over it all the sins of the people. He handed the goat over to a fit man. That fit man would lead that goat away into the wilderness. I mean now we're up to 22 different ordinances that had to be carried out. The high priest went back into the tabernacle. He took off his holy garment. He washed himself. He put on his garment of glory. He offered a ram and a burnt offering. He offered the people ram and a burnt offering. He burnt the fat of the sin and offered on the altar. The fit man returned from the wilderness. The fit man would wash his clothes. The fit man would bathe his flesh. The fit man would then come into the camp. All this was an ordinance for public sin. Then there was the ordinance for persistent sin. Uh, Listen, an unknown man would take the carcass of the bullock which was the high priest's offering and the carcass of the goat which was the people's sin offering and he would take it outside the camp. We're up to number 34. Then the unknown man would bury the remains of the bullet and then the goat including the the skin and the flesh and even the dung. And the unknown man would then come and wash his clothes and then wash his flesh and the unknown man would come back into the camp and then the people would afflict their own souls and the people would totally abstain from work. And finally the 40th ordinance would be that the people were made to recognize that this is an unending process, a statute forever, that it would be just continually over and over and over again. That does not count the daily sacrifices that time would not allow us to go through. But you know, there was the meal offering and there was the peace offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and the burnt offering. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that's a whole lot of work. That's a whole lot of ordinances. Amen. But do you know what Jesus did with them at the cross. Look at verse 14 again. He blotted out the handwriting of those ordinances. Amen. He took every single one of them and he, hallelujah, he blotted them out, praise God. You say, listen, them ordinances was not for us. But verse 14 said they was against us. They was a constant reminder that we could never be good enough. We could never live up enough. That we would never fix it in the but Jesus took all them ordinances. He took them and blotted them out. You say, how did he do that? He nailed it, the Bible says, to the cross. I want to say hallelujah. I'm glad they've been nailed to the cross. Nail it all to the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Woo! I want to tell you this morning, nobody came in with a bullock. 
Nobody had to go outside the camp and give up a burnt offering. There wasn't no blood being sprinkled here this morning. I'm telling you, this morning, nobody had to go wash themselves. There wasn't no bearing of no carcass. Calvary fixed it all. It answered the question about self, and it answered the question about sin. Hallelujah. You say, where are your sins at? I don't know. Because verse 14 says, he took it out of the way. He took everything at Calvary. I think about so many songs. I think about that sound, the old song, The Blood Covers It All. Calvary took it all away. Do you realize this morning how simple it is and how easy it is for someone to be saved? Salvation is free. It sure wasn't cheap, was it? I mean, to give an invitation and to just get out of your seat and come down here and accept what Jesus did at Calvary. Friend, sinner, that's the, he took it all away. You don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to live with yourself anymore. So, but preacher, you don't know how wicked, you don't know how bad, you don't know how sorry I've been, no. But I want to tell you the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary has signed you apart and, and it's took away everything, all that was needed to be done for you to be saved, and all that your guilt and all of your sin and all of your trespasses, it's all been nailed to the cross. It's been put on the cross. He finished when Jesus, what a statement, when Jesus said, it is finished. That little old two-letter word, it, it involves every ordinance. It involves the sin debt. It involves the sin burden. It involves the sin of every sinner, just a two little word, a two letter word, it, every bit of that, all of it's wrapped up in those two letters in that one word, it's been finished, it's been nailed to the cross and thank God we'll bear it no more, hallelujah. Isn't that good this morning? The question of sin, the question of self. Then I wanna say this morning, Calvary, the place apart and it answers the question about Satan. What did God do to Satan at Calvary? Verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know, the devil does not know the future. And the devil's probably a better Bible student than a lot of people sitting in the pews. But he's not a theologian. Don't give him no credit. He can't even quote a verse of scripture without misquoting it. Amen. And don't think for one minute that the devil had Calvary figured out. Had the devil, the devil got kicked out of heaven, but he got crushed at Calvary. I mean, when they put Jesus on the cross, I'm sure all hell celebrated. I mean, the devil thought, sure as the world, this would be the end of the Son of God. But it was not the end. It was only the beginning. But it was the end of Satan. Amen. 
The devil would have never, he didn't have anything to do. My friend, with Jesus dying, it was God uh, that uh, pleased the Lord to bruise him. No doubt the devil celebrated uh, as they pierced the hands and the feet and the side of our Savior as they beat him to a bloody pulp, uh, as he hung there suspended between heaven and hell. I'm sure all of hell, uh, uh, my friends surrounded the cross uh, and every imp and every demon celebrated uh, and cheered uh, as the Son of God bowed his head uh, and died that day. Uh, But can I tell you something? What hell did not know uh, is that they were in for a rude awakening. Amen. Uh, For when Jesus died at Calvary, uh, it shook the foundations of this world. Uh, It shook the glory world. Uh, But more than anything, it shook, my friend, uh, the very bowels of hell itself. Uh, For his spirit went to be with God. Uh, He put the blood on the mercy seat, uh, satisfied the altar in heaven. Uh, His body went into the tomb, uh, but his great soul, uh, it went down in the heart of the earth. Uh, I want to tell you when Jesus went to the heart of the earth, uh, he didn't go there for a picnic. Amen. Uh, He didn't go there for a vacation. Oh no. Uh, You say, what do you mean? Uh, He crushed the devil's head at Calvary. Uh, He took his soul and went down in the heart of the earth. Uh, And the Bible said uh, he preached. Amen. Uh, I'm talking about in the bowels of hell, uh, in the heart of the earth, uh, the devil's turf, uh, the devil's ground uh, of the preacher, the prince of preachers, uh, the preacher of all preachers. uh, He went down in the hollow of hell uh, and he took a text uh, and he preached to that crowd that was in paradise uh, and he gave gifts about uh, unto men uh, and when it was over with uh, on resurrection morning you know what he did uh, he cleaned out paradise uh, he cleaned that compartment out uh, can you imagine that uh, Jesus went down there took the keys of death and hell from Satan uh, preached the gospel preached the message uh, and brought that whole crowd uh, out of paradise uh, I tell you they didn't go out with their heads bowed low oh no uh, they went out shouting uh, they went out victorious uh, I mean he cleaned it out uh, he left it hollow uh, he left all hell shooken uh, for the son of God uh, was not afraid uh, he did not fear uh, even in the very depths of the, of the my friend of, of hell itself hallelujah you see Jesus didn't go to hell he went to paradise but no doubt his preaching shook hell I can't even imagine Jesus, he's preaching. You know, the devil, I don't think he likes hearing preaching, the right kind of preaching. Some people sitting in church don't like to hear it neither. Don't ever look at your watch when it gets 12 o'clock because I'm sure Satan did that too. He probably looked and thought, man, three days, I hope it hurries up. Three days of camp meeting in paradise. You only got one preacher. But you got Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Isaac and all them Old Testament patriarchs. They're shouting him on while he's preaching. And he's giving gifts unto men. And he's fixing you. You say, what's he preaching down there? He's preaching it's finished. Amen. He's preaching hell's been conquered. He's preaching the battle is over with and the victory's been won. He's preaching, hey, you've been down here a long time, but I got news for you. We're fixing to pull out on resurrection morning. He's preaching to this crowd, pack your bags. You're not gonna be here but a few more hours. Pack your bags. We're moving up to higher ground. You're coming up out of the grave and you're going higher than you ever been. You're going back, you're going where the presence of God is. Don't you know hell backed up and every day 
Amen. I crawled in every dark spot of hell and trembled under the preaching of the living word as he preached the word of God under the anointing of the spirit. He shook the foundation of hell is what he did. And when he came out, there had to be a song of victory like no angel has ever sung, like no man has ever known. And hell was glad he was gone when he left. Hallelujah. Makes me want to shout. You know what he did? He spoiled principalities. He spoiled powers. The devil just thought he had power till Jesus showed up and ripped the keys off of him. Don't you know they'd probably run an all-round paradise when that happened? You say, preacher, you believe it? Sure I do. If you don't, don't mess up my theology. Amen. They hounded him on the cross, but it was their greatest mistake. He made a show of them openly. You know what that means, that little phrase? It means to make a public example. That's what Jesus did at the cross. He crushed the head of Satan. Oh, he bruised his heel, but he crushed his head. He made an example of the devil. I want to go on record of saying this this morning. I hate the devil. I hate him this morning. You say, oh, preacher, you shouldn't. I think it's okay to hate the devil. He's reaped havoc. I'm telling you, he's dragged souls to hell. I'm telling you, he's mocked and he's scorned. And I hate him this morning. I hate him for every soul that he ever took to hell. I hate him for every tragedy ever brought into this world. Every sickness, every sin, every pain is all because of those slew foots conniving plan way back in the Garden of Eden. I hate him for every bit of that. I want to tell you this morning, the devil is nothing more. I'm no match for him and you're not neither. But I want you to know he is nothing more than a defeated foe. I'm not going to give him no praise. I'm not going to give him no glory. I'm not going to lift him up. Oh, he'll a lot of times, he'll drive us crazy, won't him down here, uh, but there's a day coming for that booger, amen. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Jesus crushed his head at Calvary uh, and he made an appointment with him in the lake of fire uh, and he's going to put him in prison for a thousand years uh, before he casts him in the lake of fire. I'm telling you, he made an example of him at the cross. Uh, he's going to make an example of him at the pit uh, and he's going to make an example of him at the great white throne judgment. If you want to see who's in charge, uh, just look at Calvary, amen. Uh, uh, Jesus was as much God. Uh, he was as much King and he was as much Lord hanging on the cross as he was anywhere else. I'm glad this morning, thank God the question about Satan has been answered. Hallelujah. He's defeated. You know the devil's been riding me about something for two days. You say, how do you know it's the devil? Because it just, it won't let up. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You know what I do when the devil gets on my trail? I go to the Lord and I say, God, I'm so weak. Help me. Lord, deliver me. And I'm going to tell you, I sat there this morning, Brother Danny was teaching. It'll take eternity to tell you how many times God lets, lets you say some things that just lifted my heart this morning. Isn't that the word of God? Just, I love him for that this morning. 
You may be here and the devil may be on your trail. Don't let him ride piggyback this morning. Amen. You say, how would I get him off? Run to Calvary. Run to the cross this morning. You say, I'm saved. It doesn't matter. The cross is our ultimate victory this morning. It's the place of pardon. It's where God defeated. He answered the question about Satan, about sin, and about self this morning. Oh, hear me this morning. If you're here and you're lost today, don't you go to hell. Hell. 